have Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And if you want to find out what's going on, check out Nostalgia Highway. Right, fellas? Right. Yeah. Give me a hole, guys. Hello! Coming to you from somewhere along the Ohio-West Virginia border, welcome hitchhikers to Nostalgia Highway. The movies you know from the guys you don't, or the no-frills bi-weekly movie review podcast, where we are bringing you the last of two movies voted by you for the first ever Hitchhiker's Choice Month here on the highway. In early mid-June, we asked you all for that one movie you'd want to hear us review, and then we randomly placed all these selections into a bracket challenge that ran from June 14th to the 28th on Facebook, with the final two movies standing, becoming the official reviews for the month. But let's not keep the hitchhikers waiting any longer. Let's get right down into tonight's review. I am your host, the Merrimack Logsin, and joining me for episode 43 out here on the highway are my co-hosts, who put the friggin' bread on the table around here. <laughs> the Lord doesn't yeah. put his own bread on the That's table. Right. That's <laughs> right. The Lord giveth, the Lord needeth, serveth. I am the Lord Ketchum. And I am Dave King of the Road. From the colossal duo of macabre storytellers Stephen King and George Romero, we get an anthology that sets the bar for every horror anthology to follow. Based on the 1950s EC comic book stories of crime and paranormal mayhem, Creepshow tells us five tales of warning. I'll give them to you drive-in total style. We've got Tom Atkins as Dad of the Year, an award he was nominated for twice this year in, the, in this movie and Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Stephen King's bratty shit-talking kid Joe, one undead cake hunter, one meteor shitstorm, two lost lovers reconvene at the beach, <laughs> one crate with a fluffy monster that eats whatever crosses its path, $125,000 worth of cockroaches being asshole cockroaches, <laughs> and a comic book that ties these tales together with a bit of mail-in voodoo doll foo. Ooh, nice. Yeah, this movie was chosen by Justin Ramsey, and it beat out Christopher Nolan's Memento in the uh, Final Four bracket challenge that we had on Facebook. So, Like it wasn't going to win. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> like a blowout, but I mean, no. Memento got votes. Yeah. Like I said, this was directed by George Romero, and it stars Hal Holbrook, Leslie Nielsen, Adrian Barbeau, E.G. Marshall, Ed Harris, Ted Danson, Stephen King, Tom Atkins, and Tom Savini. Is rated R and has a two-hour runtime. That's a pretty star-studded cast right there. That's a great mm. cast. Yeah, it really is. A lot of good combinations. Yes, a lot of players. You know that you know, were with Carpenter and Romero, and you know throughout all their careers. This is awesome. Yeah. And it released on November twelfth, nineteen eighty-two, on an estimated eight million dollar budget, made five point eight million its opening weekend, and grossed twenty-one million domestically worldwide. That's pretty good. Yeah. So on that opening weekend, uh, that was from one thousand and one hundred twenty-seven theaters, and it gave it the number one ranking at the box office in the United States, and it replaced 
First Blood huh. in the top spot, and it was the highest grossing horror movie for Warner Brothers that year. Hell yeah. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. It deserves that. How long had First Blood been out for? Oh, I don't know. A couple I of weeks or something? I didn't know anything about that. Mm. I'll have to do some research. Yeah, it didn't have much to uh, follow uh, at Halloween time when it's made its big release because Halloween 3 was such a flop at the box office. That, yeah, practically. Yeah. You know, it was a shoe right. Horror fans were looking for something different. Yeah, year. that is a weird release date. Yeah. Almost mid-November. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, what, why didn't you back it up a yeah. month? Yeah. Yeah. Halloween 3 was not well received, but it is now. It's get it's It is. Yeah. It's get it's getting its respect in the uh, yeah. cult status. So, well, it's 100% cult. Yeah. This movie is a 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb, has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 73% and an audience score of 68%. It is currently streaming nowhere, but it can be rented or purchased for 2.99 on Amazon Prime. Buy it. Yeah. Absolutely. Buy oh it. Gosh. Totally worth it. I'm trying to secure a VHS copy original uh, clamshell of this movie. Yeah. And the deal fell through, but... Uh, it was faded looking anyway. It did look faded, but man, it's hard it to find cool. an OG uh-huh. clamshell. I just, got my, I just got my DVD that I got for uh, three bucks pre-owned at a 7-Eleven in Belpre, Ohio. Not bad. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that, I was getting gas, mm. and I was like... I'm buying that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got a copy on VHS, but not a first print, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I have a first print creep show too though. There you go. Nice. That's a cool cover too. Yeah. I purchased a didgeridoo on my weekend outing. <laughs> in lieu of videotapes. You didgeridoo did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didgeridult, bro. Coming to you next time on Nostalgia <laughs> Highway Podcast. Right? The Didgeridoo Challenge. There we <laughs> go. A little whop at the end there, yeah. Coming up. Whop, whop, It's hilarious. Speaking of, spoilers <laughs> are upcoming for this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so just to kind of clue you in on how we're going to go about this, Hitchhikers, because this is the first anthology we've ever done. Uh, Usually we kind of split up our behind-the-scenes stuff and our movie topic stuff, but now, since we have movie segments in this movie, we're just going to go by the segments, and we're just going to talk about everything about those segments in order until we're done. It's going to be fucking awesome. Yeah, so... Here we go. I'm the winner. What'd you guys think of the comic book we get uh, shown in the display of our opening credits? It's cool. Yeah. It's freaking awesome, dude. I love the flickering aspect of it, and it just drips down. You right get your on. classic creep show. Yeah. I actually had an old. I don't know if it was an EC comic, but it was a horror comic. And. I remember it being in decent shape, and I was probably around, I don't know, 9 or 10 years old, and I don't even remember how I came across it, but it was just the only one that was in a bunch of comic books that I got from somebody. And of course, me being that budding horror fan, that's the one I wanted to look at the most, and yeah. ended up getting destroyed, sad to say, and I don't have it anymore. You destroyed it? It got destroyed just because I 
looked at it so much. Like the cover oh, ended up coming man. off, and I it just I didn't I didn't value comics at that time. Right. It wasn't anything I ever really got into. But I did have a uh, I had a horror comic of some sort at one point in time. Yeah. No idea what it was. No year. No nothing. It could have been a lost treasure. Jack came and did the uh, artwork for the prop comic. The prop comic at the beginning of the film. He was one of the artists of the original EC comics. Was he? Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. That prop comic is fucking nice, dude. Yeah. It's very vibrant and red. It looks yes. OG. It's, just, it's yeah. Yeah, freaking it awesome, man. Yes. Bernie Wrightson was another artist that did the interiors of the comic book, and uh, he was a really good, like, dark horror, gothic style artist. Mostly, like, black and white stuff. Yeah, but, cool. Uh, no, I like those, you know, flipping through the comic book yeah. and you kind of see the ads and stuff oh, yeah. and you pause oh, yeah. and you want to read, you know, what they say. Uh, yeah, it's cool. Dude, yeah. 3D glasses and right. build your muscles in five yeah. days and shit. Whenever I was a kid, you know, when I looked through magazines, comics, and everything like that, um, I enjoyed looking at and yeah. books and everything. I, I, I enjoy looking at those ads and everything. I like That's reading the articles in Playboy, awesome. too. I mean, <laughs> Sure, you do. Yeah. <laughs> There's some good comics in between, yeah. too, you know. A little something for everybody. Well, Hustler had some really good. Oh, I'm not that dirty. Uh, <laughs> that, that's too far. They had some good. Uh, I'm questions. a gentleman. Oh, I like entertainment <laughs> for gentlemen. <laughs> I like a Laranchi. <laughs> During a break from filming, Stephen King took his son Joe, who plays Tom Atkins' son in this movie, to, he took him to McDonald's, and as a joke, he was made up, presumably by Savini, uh, with bruises, cuts, and scabs. So he was probably, you know, mid shoot or something like that. And yeah, that I, I, it kind of sounds like. You know, with cuts and scabs, right. I, I feel they made him up a little bit more. A little bit more, right yeah. on. Yeah. So, yeah, the story goes, the, the girl at the drive through window ended up calling the police on <laughs> Stephen King. Nice. So, I love those stories. I wonder where, if that's a shoot or if that's just a story I don't that know. they tell could be an old rumor. I don't know, but there's a lot of movies where you, where you listen to the behind-the-scenes stuff and they have, like, yeah. you know, commentary on the DVD or whatever, and they'll have... Like, I remember on the Friday the 13th remake, they had Derek Mears. He w went intentionally out and scared one of the uh, the cast members on yeah. purpose. And like, there are some of those stories that are pretty cool. Like, I know there were some, I think it was part seven for Friday the 13th, that Kane Hodder was out in the woods and, like, somebody called the authorities. because Oh, was, really? Yeah, I mean, you got this guy right. looking yeah. like a friggin', you know, who knows what the fuck. So... <laughs> Yeah, they probably were trying to keep it quiet that they were filming there. Yeah. That's hilarious, though. Yeah, if I ever meet Savini, I think I'm going to ask him that question. Did you make up <laughs> Joe Hill to go to McDonald's? And That's a good question. One. That That's would a be great yeah. Confirm the rumor. Yeah. Nice. Because Stephen King's such a storyteller, he could have just said this in an interview as a as a thing he thought of on the way to McDonald's doing. Like, man, this would be fun. Cool. We got a mission now. Yep. Somebody asked Tom Savini. All right. <laughs> So during the opening scene when Stan, who is the father played by the mustache, Tom Atkins, he slaps his son, you can see that it's actually Joe Hill. He slaps himself with his own hand yeah. in slow motion. And I guess Stephen King was on set uh, reportedly during the filming of this, and he was really concerned about it. And uh, this was the reason why Romero went with the quick shot technique. Smart thinking. 
I never picked up on that until I came across that fact, and now it's like, yep, I see it every time. Yep. Pretty good, though. Wonder if you, do you, yeah. Did you watch this in, like, high def or anything yeah. like that? All right, so did you see it clearly, like, yeah, well, more clearly? I watched clearly? it on the 70-inch, uh, so oh, okay. it was pretty well okay. exposing. That was from the <laughs> original, well, the DVD that has the little flip side door open. Right. Cardboard kind of DVD yeah. case. So... That's how all the, most of the Warner Brothers uh, yeah. DVDs came, and I hated yeah. those. Yeah, they, they stick out. They're flimsy when they're like uh, on shelves and everything, and they're they're they they're a little bit yeah. taller as well. So mm. I don't know. You get what you get. But mm. there's some good movies, I think. Mm. You know, are necessities to own. <laughs> so one of our favorite questions out here on the highway is to ask, "What's your favorite lines from this movie?" So, what's your favorite line from this segment? From this segment? Yeah. From this segment, my favorite line is when Tom Atkins says, that's why God made fathers. That's why God made fathers. That's that's pretty... I can't disagree there. I mean, that's pretty epic. And now that I'm a father, (laughs) I get it even more. Yeah. Again, Tom Atkins, the father I never have. Like, I'm just getting this fatherly knowledge from him i've never not so much like beating my kids yeah that's what i said i've I've never done that that much but i've been that stern before like oh yeah i mean you have to at times but put my foot down this shit ain't gonna fly yeah how about you oh yeah that's a good one and uh (laughs) joe hill saying i hope you rot in hell oh yeah right on his dad that's good i mean he's a little rattlesnake yeah yeah, he is. <laughs> He's got tooed. <laughs> like father, like son. Yep. So Tom Atkins is, kind of plays a role we're not really used to see him playing, you know? Yeah, I mean, he doesn't even have a mustache, man. It's fucking weird. Yeah. He, he goes... Uh, <laughs> and he did he a goes, month ago. <laughs> he goes to the fog. He goes that yep. route. Yeah. Playing Nick Castle. But, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Even though he plays a total dickhead, I, it's hard for me to be mad at him. Oh no! Yeah, I, told, I try to justify yeah. everything, every action he does. In be this like, segment. well, I wouldn't handle it that way, Tom. Right. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong, but father of the year. Yeah. <laughs> For our first story tonight, in the comic book of Creep Show, we get Father's Day. A demented father returns from the grave to celebrate Father's Day with his snarky rich family and murderous daughter. Yeah, she's kind of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but... Yeah, he's not very friendly he's not, I, All I mean, of these people are kind of unlikable, even Ed Harris. I mean, yeah. they're not really... Especially when he starts dancing like a bellend. <laughs> a what? A bellend. What's, What's a, a bellend? bellend? Nah, we're not doing that on this. Seriously, Boy, what is well, a bellend? Yeah, well, I'm, well it's, a, it's the end of your shaft, you know? What? So, the end of my pecker? Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Seriously? Yeah, no bellend. Did not know that. Yeah. There you go. You haven't watched enough Ollie G then, I guess. No, I don't think I've ever sat down and watched an episode. All right. We had to watch this segment on Father's Day as a family tradition this year, I think, because uh, we're just that weird Adams family kind of bunch, you know. So you just single, just single this one out and just watch yeah, it. Yeah, it was the wife's watch... idea. She put, the, she wanted to put on Creep Show, right knowing on. that that was you know on Father's Day. We were right on. So you watched specifically the whole movie, putting. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. played it through. That's cool. Most people left the room after that segment and kind of dispersed you know yeah. like I was in the kitchen and 
the kids started playing in the basement and in the yard. Yeah. So yeah, yeah we cool dispersed after Father's Day. But uh, so you're gonna make that a yearly thing? I mean, I guess. Well, why not? Kids seemed to enjoy it. I mean, I ended up getting a cake out of the deal. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. Good did for you, you. Did you say? I want my cake. I I did try that. I don't think I was as effective. I so. want my cake. <laughs> I guess I don't know. That's Pretty my good. that's my impression. I dig it. Hitchhikers, let us know. What are your impressions? <laughs> give us your <laughs> give us your impressions of this. Year. I want my cake. There you go. Okay. Yeah. There, there you go. That's mine. <laughs> Matt, Matt. I want my cake. That's, that's pretty good. good. That's yeah. not bad. All right. All Everybody's right. got a pretty good... That's put, my, put a poll up. That's my yeah. Nathan Grantham. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I want to talk about uh, Aunt Bedelia, who is played by Vivica Lindfors. And um, she asked George Romero if she could improvise the scene at the gravesite. And when she did the scene, she thought about her relationship with her own father and her hidden anger with her ex-husband, George Tabori, who is a Hungarian screenwriter and sometime actor and director. Got a little fun fact about Miss Lindfors here. Guess who she babysat when he was a kid? Ed Harris. No. Oh. <laughs> you got to guess? I mean, it's totally random. Wow, no. <laughs> I don't. Not even close. I don't know the babysitting... Oh, yeah, I'm not in that. It's not even on the back of my tongue. It's, it's, <laughs> it's my, not even yeah. on my tongue. I've searched through filing cabinets in my brain, and there's nothing on that. <laughs> Clark W. Griswold, Chevy Chase himself. Really? She babysat Chevy Chase. Like on the regular, or just like once? It, it was for, a, she, it was, it says for a period of time. He baby, she babysat him as an adult? or as a <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even do that. I can see this asshole being that kind. He's going to call up a babysitting service. That's hilarious. And they show up and he's in a diaper and a fucking binky. <laughs> and one of them little, little dolly hats, you know. Oh, man. That's hilarious. Chevy, if, you, if you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> Clear this up for us, will you? <laughs> Let us know. You tell me you couldn't see him doing that. We oh, love, no, we love totally you. Could. We love yeah. you in vacation. <laughs> Three Amigos wasn't that great. Ah, mm. So Ed Harris, of course, we get the infamous dancing of Ed Harris in this movie, which is contends with Crispin Glover. Um, I don't know. There you go, Kane. Yeah, yeah we both tried that on. You yeah. guys can't vote on who did the better of that. Yep. <laughs> but uh, I think we all know. So. <laughs> I mean, it was cool to see a younger Ed Harris, but I mean, he really didn't do anything to like move the needle no, here for no. me, acting wise. He um, held a match weird. I thought I, I gotta I gotta bring this up. He he annoys the shit every time I watch that fucking scene when he strikes a cigarette, the first one in the in the house. Yeah, he's holding yeah. it like some kind of snarky, like yeah, snooty. Yeah, snooty yeah. rich yeah. way. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Just bugs the shit out of me. He it, so kudos to him. He he made me hate him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I got okay. And like when he he's out there at, at the out in the gravesite where he's trying to look for Aunt Bedelia. Yeah. Why does he just lay there? Why All doesn't right. he like? Because and so I thought about this too. Maybe he was thinking you know, sudden movements would make it 
move, but I would have hit panic mode right near the end of that shit. Like, roll, yeah. yeah, I rolled a lot, rolled out, but yeah, I I don't know. Honestly, that's that's honestly my only real complaint about this segment. Yeah, but maybe, maybe, I get it. Yeah, I mean, it, had it to sets it sets up you know right. the the kill. Yeah, my I biggest sh- complaint about this segment is that uh, Ed Harris rivals Crispin Glover's famous dance sequence from Friday the Thirteenth Part Four. Yeah. Yeah. Does it rival it? Oh man, yeah. I'm like So are you asking who I'm thinking these two went to the same dance school, obviously. Okay. Well right on. This is this is some sketchy shit So so who did it better? Oh the Ed Harris dance has a little more of a seventies vibe for me. Right. He's got more of a disco well, flair going. Crispin yeah. Glover's is more of a, it's I don't know, like an epilepsy. Yeah, he's having of. some kind of medical emergency. Okay. Yeah, there's, that's a, what there's, I there's some rhythm, at least, I guess, with Ed Harris's. So I, I, I guess to answer that question, I would go with Ed Harris by default. <laughs> okay. Uh, as far as who I thought did better. I think you're right, because if, if the man's experiencing a medical emergency while he's... <laughs> performing yeah we shouldn't be appreciating that dance style right that's nothing to make a light about that's not funny all right so the father comes back from the dead to celebrate some father's day celebration with them with the family when he right. when he kills ed harris i mean was he using the force or something or i think so because he had his arms kind of out yeah he did yeah so well. I would say, yeah, All he right. was using ghostly force. Okay. Well, I don't think we can call it the force, though. I guess. Um, is that trademarked? I'm not sure. Disney might call. Sorry. Yeah. We're sorry about that. <laughs> we didn't mean <laughs> we it. We meant a representation of something like the force. Ah, okay. But anyway, I've, I've always perceived it as yeah. force-like powers. Yeah, it's That cool. was pretty cool. Paranormal. I don't know. Yeah. Paranormal powers. I always like watching the rich yuppies get their gruesome comeuppance in stories like this, and I, it almost could be like a subgenre in horror in a way. But uh, I recently watched a black and white oldie. It was called "The Curse of the Living Corpse" from 1964, and it stars Roy Scheider in his first major role. And it's about a turn of the century New England family that's well to do, whose patriarch dies, and when the will isn't followed to the letter by the snobby relatives, one by one, they begin to die. And it kind of reminded me of this Father's Day segment, at parts sure. of it. And uh, I just, within the past couple of weeks, I watched that. And, yeah, that was... But I, it made me think about that. I'm like, I, I love seeing these rich assholes getting killed. Yeah. It's very satisfying. It's very, uh, yeah. There's a nuance to it. Yep. <laughs> Good segment. Our next segment is called... Stephen fucking King as Grassman from Outer Space. <laughs> Otherwise known as <laughs> The Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill. Yeah. Or Meteor Shit. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to draw a picture. I do too. I want me to that, draw a picture. Of, of him going like, you know, wiping his, his hand yeah. on, his, on his shirt. Overalls. And his overalls and saying Meteor Shit or That's something. That's you know? been on my to-do list for a minute. <laughs> I'm going to find a picture I like just right. I need to just watch the movie a little closer yeah. and grab a still of it. Yeah. Or, yeah, just watch it and pause yeah. it. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, I do have a favorite line from this segment, though. Oh, you do? No, there's oh. probably a couple, but... Okay. Yeah. Which, what's your favorite I, I like 
Doherty Barrel, you lunkhead. Absolutely. <laughs> and yep. yeah, that, that yeah. pops Meteor me every time. shit. Yep, meteor That's shit. That's a good one. Classics. These are lines, but I thought uh, a couple of things I thought were funny was uh, in his little uh, daydream where he's taking the meteor in. It's the Department of Meteors. Trying to get $200. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Department of Meteors. And then uh, the beer bottle, it was just called Ripple. Yep. yep. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was cool. But, yeah, honestly, I think those two are probably my favorite mm-hmm. um, two lines from yeah. this segment. I mean, is this the best Stephen King role ever? Absolutely. Yeah, sure. I I have to agree. I have to agree. And I I love this segment for all its silliness and the goofiness that Stephen King brings to the role. But he, well, he was. We get a total dumbass played by a certified genius and the greatest living storyteller of our generation. Right. I mean, it's kind of a unique take on you know what you know about him and he totally owns it like it's perfect i mean it's just like yeah. that role was made for him he had the right look he he knew exactly what he wanted for yeah. you know this character and he well romero told him to play point. like uh wiley wiley coyote okay you know the way he looks when he goes off a cliff yeah, yeah, so, yeah. there you that's go funny i mean it's a perfect portrayal right there yeah, he had. He also had an allergic reaction to all that makeup he had to wear during the mm. uh, space weed transformation. Space weed, yeah. <laughs> space weed transformation. Wow. <laughs> I seen where uh, Tom Atkins wanted this role, and really, supposedly, according to Tom Atkins in an interview, he says that George Romero had told him that no, nah, Stephen wants to do that part, and. Uh, and then when you hear Stephen King's reaction to this movie, he hated the part, and like I don't know, he did. He really? was kind of a, huh. He wasn't really fond of it, like the, the way people, you know, looked at him after that. Like oh, I don't know. <laughs> did he watch? Max he's self conscious. I think he's a little self conscious. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, it kind of that's what it sounds like a little yeah. bit maybe. Okay, I could get on board with yeah, that. He, writer artist is really like protective of their image and maybe they think they've tainted it or something and just become I don't know I mean for what was written you know I mean it's I don't know I thought it fit it perfectly it's great to see somebody do a fish out of water yeah absolutely character of himself yeah I mean and like I said I mean this because of the goofiness and silliness that this is what this segment gets remembered for but honestly at the end of it all it really becomes a Sad and Very dark, really yeah. dark yeah. segment, yeah. But I mean, wouldn't you do the same? Well, I mean, what the hell are you going to here, do? Here's the thing. <laughs> I, I here's something I can totally get a lawnmower, <laughs> weed whacker. Yeah, no, but I can actually uh, totally relate with how Jordy felt with this. I, I have a, I have a, a kind of a personal attachment to this segment because when I was a kid, I had eczema pretty bad growing up, and I'd have rashes. And, you know, it's always, don't itch because it'll spread, it'll get worse. Mm -hmm. And ended up finding out after a bunch of tests that I was allergic to milk and milk products. Fortunately, I outgrew it. So I sympathize with him being itchy and, you know, giving in, you know, in the sense for me, it was like digging at my rashes and scratching them. But for Jordy, it was taking that plunge into the tub. And I love how they made the tub, like, glisten and glimmer like it was so appealing, you know. Um, no, I, so yeah, I can totally relate to this segment and to how Jordy felt and just giving in. 
there's not much you can do at this point, you know. I mean, it's completely overtaken you. Yeah. yeah. You're just a monster now. <laughs> yeah. Might as well just put it away. So while Jordy's watching the TV, there's random shit that comes on, but one of them was he's watching some wrestling. Yeah. Who was who was that match? What was that? That was one of the Wild Samoans offer against Bob Backlund. Okay, all right. Was was that Vince McMahon commentating? Oh, absolutely. Okay, I thought it was him. I thought it was him. If you have to ask that, you must not listen to the... Well, I was pretty sure, but I wanted to ask, and I... Okay, all right. All right. Yeah. Cool. Mike's with Mike's at the Drive-By Podcast wouldn't have to ask that question. Ah, that's true. That's where I'm I'm at with that. You're not wrong. (laughs) Yeah, they would know this knowledge, I guess, right? Yeah. I want to hear their hot take on the uh, Extreme Rules pay-per-view we had a horror match a horror show match oh yeah yeah with uh, Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman a couple right of big on. old hosses yeah good match I don't know I didn't watch it yeah you didn't get to watch it no I was right out on. at the uh, vacation spot I heard a lot of people didn't like it oh you heard about it yeah mm-hmm. I pay attention on the interwebs alright alright no, don't spoil <laughs> it for me yet. I'm, I'm not going to say a word it. lips are sealed yeah, Hitchhikers, we want to recognize Drive-By Wrestling Podcast. But yeah, man, Mike's on Mike's. Some good shit. Talking about everything wrestling. Do you like pro wrestling? Yeah. Are you tired of the same old recap podcast? Uh, duh. Do wrestling fans confuse you? More than you will ever know. Well, you're in luck. Join me, Mike J., And me, Mike S., every Saturday for the Drive-By Wrestling Podcast. Each week, we break down the ups and downs of main roster WWE and try to explain online fan outrage. And of course, we have the Wednesday Night War between NXT and AEW covered from our unique viewpoints. That's the Drive-By Wrestling Podcast every Saturday on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere podcasts are found. Still breaking hearts and breaking kayfabe. Uh, I guess that is what we say. It is. Okay, for our next segment, we have something to tide you over. A wealthy and possibly insane man, played by Leslie Nielsen, goes the route of Jigsaw in a way and stages an elaborate beachfront trap for his unfaithful wife's lover, Played by Ted Danson. I never really thought of it like a, a jigsaw trap. <laughs> In a way. He didn't really give him an out. I mean, just uh, right. hold your breath. Right. But it, it's an out. Hey, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you can survive it. Yeah, if you're <laughs> inhuman, what? yeah, you can do this. <laughs> if not, oh well. The tide just comes in so high, my God. Right. I mean, there's nothing you can do. But Leslie Nielsen, man... Like you, you pegged it, man. He is pretty fucking sadistic, and he is. I mean, awesome I, in this. yeah, he is, and you never, you don't really ever see this kind of role out of no. him. So this is great, you know. This is really the only time you ever get to see it. Yep. Um, I love him in this. I mean, he's who knew that he was so good at being unhinged, you know? <laughs> and, and he was like, it kind of makes sense though for him to, you know, yeah. I mean. I could see him totally doing it. Even oh, and he pulls it off. He's just got that that, he that tone really of sober. voice. He's really and sober in this. He's, yeah. 
I, I have down here he was diabolical and suave. Sure, yeah, definitely. You know, it's when he's like, you know, he's like, Wentworth, remember, I have the gun. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. This segment's like kind of long, though. It kind of takes forever. Really? Yeah, this is the segment that I get kind of like bored in. Really? Yeah, kind of just where okay. I take, a, take a piss or go get a fresh bottle of water or something. Interesting. Yeah. This segment has some slow spots. I mean, I just think it does. We're going to do a ranking at the end of this episode oh. of oh, the yeah. segments. Oh, I knew this was so. coming. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to see where this comes at. Is drowning the worst way to die? It's one of the worst. It's got to be. Burning yeah. would be pretty bad. Yeah. That'd be terrible. Just suffocation. Drowning would be less painful than burning, but... They're all pretty awful. They come kind of quick. Uh, I don't know. Just the panic of it all, you know. Yeah. Just, yeah. It's that there's no air coming, right? <laughs> and you're going to be swallowing some water. And you're freaking in a out. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. So no, it suck. I know it suck. But. Right. Yeah. They're all very unideal, but mm. I don't. That or falling out of the sky. That'd oh be terrible, my god! Right. You know. I mean, it'd be quick. You'd hope it'd be quick. Oh man! If you landed, you know, and you just well when you when you land. Yeah, you never feel yeah. it. Yeah, I don't think. That's kind of where I was at with that because I was thinking my whole time. Just go like, out. I, I just kind of wish, like, you know, if that were to happen, that I would be able to be like, if it was long enough fall, I'd be like, well, this is actually kind of cool because I know <laughs> I it's going to be done in a second. <laughs> that, you know, just that. I don't think I can get right that I, quick, bro. I don't, know. No, I saying, don't I, picture I like myself saying, wow, this is kind of cool. <laughs> Yes. Because like you said, it's probably gonna be just like a lights out thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know. <laughs> Worst case scenario, it's not. And you're that sucks. I don't even talk about That'll that. That'll be right. the day that I remember how to do that flak back bump from wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tuck my chin just right and my head will survive the rest of my body's sure. <laughs> I don't know. Drowning may have. Uh, it's either drowning or burning for me. Hmm. I think freezing to death would be terrible. Ooh, that'd be rough. That'd be that's that would be rough. Bad one. I think of the thing, mm. and I'm like, yeah. fuck me. I don't. I would never want to experience that. You know. So I reckon decapitation would suck. Again, they say especially if yeah. However, but I don't think you'd be able to feel it. I don't know. I that's we're way on speculation highway right now. All right. You know, but welcome to speculation highway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad though. The theories you know, but coming from to the you guys you somewhere don't from speculation highway. Nice. There was actually an alternate ending that was scripted, but then it was rewritten, and I don't believe they filmed anything. Right. But it goes, uh, it was two policemen, they drop by to investigate Richard's panicky but true claims of Harry and Becky invading his beach house. And when the policemen laugh him off, thinking he's drunk, Richard attempts to prove this by showing camera footage. Instead, the TV plays incriminating conversation that he had with Harry before and during his burial. And Richard then says that he's been set up, and it's the wrong tape. 
movie smash cuts to uh, his murder trial. He's convicted, sentenced to death. Another smash cut finds him in the gas chamber. He's laughing hysterically. And while, you know, it's going, all the gas is going off and he's screaming, I can hold my breath for a long, long time. So, I don't know. I get that ending, but the ending we get is perfect. I, justice, I like this one, so. too. It's simple. Yeah, it's simple. Yeah. It's right there. You yep. know, and, and it's fitting. It's perfect. Right. It's it's eye for an eye. Yep. Yeah. Good rewrite. So, one little thing, uh, the Becky character. Do you know who that was uh, played by? It was Galen Ross. I don't know who that is. Okay. She's only there. This and there's two other movies that she was credited in, but one you're very familiar with. She played uh, Francine in Romero's Dawn of the Dead, mm -hmm. and then she played in uh, the camp slasher movie uh, Madman, and she played uh, the character Betsy in that one. Right on. Yeah. For our next tale in the creep show, we have the crate. A story about a creature named Fluffy. That resides under the stairs at a college. When we were getting ready to do this, and you ran that by us in our little pre-production meeting, it in made pre-production meeting a little bit. Oh, okay. I must have not been there. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of a fact that I did not put in my notes that I wanted to put in my notes. So, of course, all horror fans that's familiar with this movie are familiar with the nickname that the creature in the crate is called Fluffy. Right. Do you know what the name of the creeper... I do. You do? I do. You know no. the name of what the creeper was I in do. the beginning segment? I do. You know, Dave? You ready for it? Let's hear it. This is going to be a good one. Yeah? Raul. It is Raul. <laughs> yes. Nice. Good job. Thanks, man. Speaking of sexy women... <laughs> With Wait, perms. were we speaking of sexy women? We are now. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Adrian Barboa. Oh my god, the yeah. knockers. Oh shit, it's such a perfect name for. Her. Yeah, I don't know. Barbo. Yeah, she's she's sexy even when she's being a bitch. I mean, dude, she was awfully rough on old How Holbrook in this, and it 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 kind of made it easy to. to to dislike her. Oh yeah, I still grinned at her. Like man, she's cool. <laughs> I can now, but like in the in the first few times I saw yeah. this, I was like, man, I sure. do not like her. You know, but that's that's good acting. It is. It know? absolutely she is. She did her job. Yep. Do you know she's been in four movies with Tom Atkins, but never shared an on-screen scene? Okay. All right. So we got the fog, fog. Mm -hmm. creep show, Escape from New York. Yep, Escape from New York. And then there's, there's three. Yeah, I get it. I'm trying to think of the fourth one though. You got it? Oh. Do you know? Two evil eyes. Oh, that's two it. Evil two eyes. evil eyes. I'm ah. sorry. I you read did, that. And you I didn't, didn't put know. it in my notes. No, I read it, but I didn't put it in my notes. Jesus. Another anthology movie. <laughs> yeah. See, yeah. now I'm embarrassed. So they didn't share a scene in that, huh? No. Interesting. No. That's a cool fact. I could see them being. Good star, co-star pairing. But they I could guess. be husband and wife right now. Oh, my God. For sure. That's true. Imagine that. What a payoff for horror cool. fans and shit, Oh, dude. they'd be drooling over it. It'd Holy be incredible. Shit. They should put that in Halloween Kills. <laughs> oh. oh. 
Well, no, Halloween ends. Halloween ends. Halloween ends. Just, just so we know, Cameo. I am pushing all my chips in on. That one. Like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. could play all like a, a, I don't know, grandpa, the grandma couple, or yeah. something. Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! That's perfect. Elrods yeah. would still be shit. around. No, but they could play a version of next them. gen. Yeah, yeah, next gen. Or Jeez. maybe they're the brother. This is the brother Elrod, the non-abusive one. But he's abusive in this movie. <laughs> I just like Tom Atkins from Halloween 3. Yeah. If you can't, I don't want to know you. Right. Dan Chalice is the fucking man. Yeah, he is. So there's actually some potential John Carpenter's The Thing connections with this movie. And uh, the crate that's delivered, it says shipped to Julie Carpenter from Arctic Expedition. Yeah, like 1862 or something like that. So, some Some... Age, yeah, 1830, something like that. 1840. It ends something. up being 150 years. Yeah, so yeah. like 1830 something. Right. Yeah, so that's kind that's of. That's obviously, cool. yeah. And then, of course, mind. at this time, uh, Adrian Barbeau was married to John Carpenter. Yeah. So. It makes sense. Yeah. They, I, I, I don't know why they put Julia. They should just put Jay Carpenter. I like that. Give it the. Yeah. That's yeah. the official nod. It didn't know. happen. Get over it. Huh? It didn't happen, so get over. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll try not. I'll try to. <laughs> so how Holbrook, the opening of this movie, <laughs> just listening to her bitch and nag, I totally see. I, I mean, I, me personally, I've imagined doing shit like that. You know, to people mm. that just annoy the piss out of me. You know, just yeah. maybe not to the extreme of murder, but mm. definitely like you know. Man, I want to beat your ass or something, or kick out the chair yeah. from underneath. Yes, them. I yeah. want to do something to you right now, just to shut mm. you the fuck up, right. <laughs> just to let you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I totally get him, and it's this dream sequence is hilarious. Dude. It is. I it love is so the funny. fact that everybody you know is agreeing with him, and yeah. after he pulls the trigger on her and blows her head off, and they're all <laughs> clapping, and they're like, "I love the good shot comment from right. the peanut gallery about that group." It was they so golf funny. clap. It's yes, so great, it's dude. awesome. <laughs> well, and then there's the other one that he has where he she's getting ready to leave her at the front door, and he takes like the scarf or something. And yeah, he's strangle her. It's a tie. It's very oh, yeah. it's a tie. Okay, yeah. it's very brief, but the first one that you talked about there, where he blaster right in the head <laughs> it was just like whoa okay dream sequence yeah. this is funny i like where we're going <laughs> yeah so fluffy was the first fully animatronic creature that tom savini had ever created and he ended up spending almost two hours on the phone with another young special effects genius and rob Botine, and he ended up getting some advice from him on how to build it right on pretty cool it's awesome because man have you guys ever seen the um, old Letterman where Savini goes on Letterman and he brings oh, the fluffy yes. animatronic yeah, and, and he brings and activates uh, it and all that uh, shit. Grantham too. Yeah. He brings him yeah. on there and oh, there was something else. Yeah, I can't remember. But yeah, it's awesome, dude. It's really he shows cool. how it works and everything. He's yeah. pumping like air and or Heck some yeah. shit like that and. I reckon that might be on the YouTube. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where is. I saw it. So look it up. It's freaking it's pretty, sweet, dude. It is cool. Yeah. So, what do you guys, how do you guys think Fluffy survived for almost 150 years in the crate without, like, any food? And why doesn't he just leave the crate? You know? 
whenever he wants. I have a theory, but I want to hear you guys'. As far as surviving for 150 years in the crate without any food, I've got nothing. I okay. really don't. I, I, I've Unless he just hibernated like a motherfucker. Right. You know? um, as far as why he didn't leave the crate, I don't know. Maybe just it was a sense of protection and he had a steady food supply, I guess. So he didn't feel the need to. Until I don't know if it was a steady food supply. Well, I, mean, it, <laughs> I mean, he... He got... At the moment, you know. Yeah, I mean, he got... Anybody that figured out where he was never returned, and nobody ever figured out why they never returned. So. Right. Maybe, you know, he's been eating people a long time. That's the only theory I got. I think he went into a kind of like a, cr- a chronic hibernation, and I think mm-hmm. he was just sleeping the entire time. So he's just a prehistoric man, and he's growing his long hair like Rip Van Winkle. No. No. no? He's just a... <laughs> he could be a Neanderthal. I he could see. be, I guess, but I don't know. I think he's just more of a freaking nature, right. you know. But anyway, yeah, I think he he had like probably ate an abundance of people or things, acquired enough energy to store for like 150 yeah. years. He probably and, kept the rats out, and he working up, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> probably much on some rats that would get into the yeah. oh, the yeah. hold or some shit. I don't know, a little snack, a little yeah. appetizer. Everybody or maybe, or about... maybe he has to sleep for like a certain amount of time, and that was just the time the. That he wakes up. Man. That's a good point. I don't know. Everybody talks about, on the ship, probably, how we haven't had a rat problem in 150 years. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, there's a reason. That's my, that's my thing. <laughs> it's our good luck crate down there <laughs> yep. in the cargo yeah, hold. And now it's fucking gone. <laughs> and now we got fucking rats. Yeah. <laughs> Coincidence? I don't think so, Don't get Jim. the fucking crate. Yeah, don't go near it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't go kicking around there or nothing. I want to talk about Fritz Weaver, who played Professor Stanley. Yeah. Okay. I swear him and David Gale, who played Dr. Hill from the first two reanimators, they could pass for brothers. I hear you. I thought that as well. I thought for a moment. Very uncanny. They're the same person. A few years back, I really did thought, I thought it was David Gale. Right on. Yeah. The resemblance is uncanny. Yeah. They just have that narrow face and, you know, they're kind of snobbish doctor professor types so yeah well something i picked up one and okay another thing too um did you catch what uh billy she likes to be called uh what she mixed while she was on the phone with hal holbrook before he got her to go to the university she poured herself a glass of milk Oh yes, I did. I, I was paying attention and then, to was that. that just, I think was it was brandy or, or bourbon, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, is that even a fucking thing? That is disgusting. I don't know. I've never heard of a recipe that calls for milk and whiskey. Have Me neither. I wouldn't uh, do that. No, right. I, yeah. I mean, and you're a whiskey guy. I've put eggnog and whiskey together. Okay. But so that's how was thing. that? That's okay. Okay. But yeah, but. Yeah, just straight up milk and whiskey yeah. or bourbon or whatever. Mm, I don't know. That's you a, should do that's some hardcore alcoholic shit I there. I think you should do the Barbo challenge. The Barbo challenge <laughs> and fucking drink some milk. And you got a pound one, bro. <laughs> and milk and whiskey. Oh, I'll go try sometime. Do a do a double shot. Do a shot of shot of milk, shot of whiskey. Ugh. No just, to, just to give it a yeah, give it a swirl for today. I'm gonna pass. Well, not today, but you know, yeah. maybe in the future. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll give her a try on the All next right. uh, Adrian Barbeau review. There we go. All right, sweet. Barbeau challenge. <laughs> this next segment is called Fucking Bugs, man. Fucking <laughs> Bugs. <laughs> oh, no, they're creeping up on you. That's the title card for this one, yeah. Is there any more appropriate segment for today's world? Ugh. I mean, sanitize everything. Yeah. Quarantine yourself off. Yeah. No contact. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, I really didn't even think about that, but yeah. Not so much about the cockroaches. Right. But that's just what. the, you know, the separation from, right. you know, all human contact. Well, I feel, I feel that, you know, E.G. Marshall plays like a glorophobe, you know, person. He's just yeah. extremely fucking paranoid. And yeah. And I guess he has every right to be now since, uh... <laughs> In this episode, yeah, right. In this segment, he's a uh, he gets overtaken. <laughs> Goddamn bugs! So I got another question: Are all filthy, stinking, rich people like neurotic head cases? I don't think so. I mean, because Racist. it seems like more <laughs> this guy is very much you so. Don't say. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it kind of seems like not not all of them know, but a lot of them are like they like it's it's like they're it's extreme entitlement or something, and they just feel like sure. they can get away and do whatever. And E.G. Marshall gives me a uh, Malcolm McDowell vibe, a little <laughs> bit of a narcissist in real life. How fucking dare way. you, dude? Not even close. Yeah, these oh, people don't yes. give a fuck. <laughs> No, I do like this role from him, though. This was, uh, for the obvious reasons, with the payoff at the end. But even just if his delivery of his lines, his, you know, his the interaction that he does have with people, you know, it's it's well done. Right, but in this, you know, in this segment, there really isn't. It's just him and a bunch of bugs. Right, you know, but, it, but, but, you know, he does have... Conversations, Convers- yeah. With he has c- that's what I was with, getting at with with but. people. But this segment is a little weird for me. I don't. I'm not a big fan of it, to be honest. Yeah. There's just not enough going on with it. I want a little yeah. more. I want it to spread its wings a little bit. It sucks that he's contained. You know. Yeah. I don't know. I I'd rather like the, you know, isolated uh, setting. Okay, right on. That's what I, I like. The that. setting's actually really cool. I mean, it's a little it's bit because it's so white yeah. and it's so Sterile. bare. You know, it's like yeah. a doctor's room. Yeah. It's like a surgery room or something. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's just sterile. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I'm not a fan of bugs. I'm not a fan. In in the way it's presented here, it kind of weirds me I don't believe that they can just... To be honest, it's a little crazy how these bugs fucking sporadically appear. Oh yeah, this place is is truly a a most impenetrable fortress. Supposed it would seem, to be. you know. Right. So, hey, I don't they know. found a way. They found a way, and it <laughs> turned out to be every fucking way. I don't know. It's just weird. Cockroaches are notorious for finding a way. Yeah, right. The music playing on uh, Ups and Pratt's jukebox at the beginning. Is the same music that plays during the end credits of Sam Raimi's The Evil Dead. Eerie. I'll be damned. Yeah. 
It's also rumored that Max von Sydow um, was originally slated to play Pratt, which I think would have been fucking awesome. That would have been great. It would have been interesting to see, but I really do, I really do like E.G. Marshall here. Like I was saying, yeah, he's a grumpy bastard. He yeah. fits this good. He's got the Jack Nicholson hair going oh, on. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, dude, because I mean, he ain't going nowhere, right. dude. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you got quarantine hair. You got quarantine hair. Yeah, yeah. And we've all had it now. So. Absolutely. Even the hitchhikers. Numerous times. Almost <laughs> rocking the uh, George Animal Steel eyebrows. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you remember those. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Talking about all these cockroaches. We'll talk about because everything has. You can legitimately have a fear of anything. Right. So there is a fear of cockroaches, and it is catsuritophobia. And Good it job. is the irrational fear of cockroaches. Sure it is. I don't know if it'd be it's irrational, you know, because cockroaches can be harmful, I guess, in mass quantity, right? Oh yeah, I mean I they mean, can bring on disease yeah, and sickness and stuff. Yeah, I mean for sure. It's not an irrational fear, to be honest, but I mean, uh, I mean to be afraid of like one or something. That yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean but. in this. The way it's presented. Yeah, the way this he's setting, doing it. Yeah, it's that's not fucking nuts. Right. But, I mean. but that's also in a rational setting. But I don't know. I think roaches are the only insect that can kind of make me, I don't know, shudder a little bit. And I, I just, I can't help to get the heebie-jeebies. So spiders you're good with? Um, Ticks? Ticks are, nah. You just, it's one of those things you just rather not see. But spiders, I think it depends upon the spider. Like daddy right. long legs or whatever. Nah, they, yeah. They don't bother that's me. That's fine. I think more than anything, I think it's the size. Okay. But, but yeah, roaches are definitely kind of like just ew. <laughs> Romero said that the cockroaches were the most expensive part of the movie. They cost 50 cents each and used more than 250,000 of them, coming to a grand total of $125,000 on roaches. Dude, he got ripped off. That's, that's, that's high value. Steep. So that's not just the segment, that's the entire movie. Yeah. Wow. So like that's with his donation to the animal rights activists that might be pissed if he uh <laughs> squash one or two. Yeah. Well it definitely looked like E. G. Marshall stepped on some. Oh yeah. Why wouldn't you? I mean, they're fucking cockroaches. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I think he paid way too much. Shit, I got a guy, I could get you some cockroaches for cheaper <laughs> than that, shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> they got they got to each sign a waiver that says they agree to be in this film, though. Oh my god! So the legal documents are gonna be crazy. Sidebars are not getting here. <laughs> but I, I think what kind of saves this segment because I I know from a lot of fans and just kind of listen to people's you know input on this movie. This is the segment that I think a lot of people kind of point to as being one of the weaker ones, if not the weaker segments in this movie. It um, is. Too, I sure. will say it is the weakest. For you? Absolutely. It's your five? Weakest, yeah. Or six? It is my... Compl- do you include the wraparound with... I really don't, to okay. be honest, but... That's fair. It's five for me. Yeah, okay. So. Um, but I think what saves it is this payoff we get at the end, where all these roaches are just emerging out of... You know, clearly fake, but still awesome anyways. You know, out of Ups and Pratt's body. Yeah. Guys, I still can't believe they spent $125,000 on cockroaches. Yeah, that's insane. That's ridiculous, dude. Yeah, that's wild. That's fucking nuts. Even for 
82 I would not even want to come close to that number. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's no fucking way. It's wild. Dude. I'm going to cringe at 5,000. Seriously. Yeah. $5,000 worth of cockroaches? That's a shit ton. So we're going to circle back around and we're going to tie a bow on this. Finishing up with was the second half of the opening segment of the movie. After two garbage collectors, one of which, played by Tom Savini, finds Billy's horror comic in the trash can, we discover Billy's vengeful plan against his father. Did either of you guys ever send in for the gimmicky junk that they had in the ads for old comic books when, we, when you were younger? Never for old comic books. Um, I remember I did something for National Geographic magazine for kids okay. or some shit. Um, and I'm wanting to say I did something for t one of the toy lines, like something, like I joined a, a fan club or something like that. Maybe Batman. Oh, okay. I want to say when I was a kid, I can't remember. It's one, one of those. Okay. But yeah, that's the only thing. I, and it was on like a little, you know, send, tear it out and yeah. send it in, kind of thing. I always wanted to, but I never did. Yeah. That's where I'm at with it. I like the X-ray vision or yeah. the right. uh, all the you know the what is it you know, the make you more strong or yeah. whatever you can you know jump higher or whatever that stuff was. The it, right. it was always so cool and fascinating, and yeah. you're like, oh, I don't know, but like it probably does work, <laughs> you yeah. know. When I think Moon Shoes first appeared in this Moon Shoes, yeah, nice. So okay. in this movie, did you guys see um, the voodoo um, ad during the movie when the pages were being flipped through segments? Was it early? Yes, early. It's early. It's between the first and second one, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Father's Day and um, Jordy. It was cut out in that shot too. What? No, I don't think, I think it was because it, it was part of the it was part of the comic. Yeah, they saw the ad for it, but you could tell something was cut out. I'm right pretty on. sure. Okay, all right. It was a little teaser. Right, but yeah, you get to see it. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, cool. Oh, yeah. So Tom Savini, popping his head, and got to get a cameo. Yeah. Love it. It's cool. It works. Yeah, it's a good spot for him to be. Trash yeah. man. Trash man. Yeah. No, I, I, I always like when people that work on the movies, you know, behind the scenes, they kind of get their little moment spot you know and you know Romero's good about that and he likes using Savini a lot, right yeah so. there's you know history there with yeah. them so no I like that I think it's really cool so we end up finding out Billy called in the uh, voodoo doll ad and he ends up pretty ruthlessly in the neck oh yeah I mean he just literally going for the jugular yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty rough. And Atkins was selling it pretty good. I mean, <laughs> there wasn't no blood or holes coming no, through. But no, 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 that would have been cool. It's internal though. Yeah, no, that would have been cool. But I don't know. You don't need it. You don't. I'd have liked it. I'd, I'd like to see that cut. I wouldn't have hated it. Yeah. But oh, man, I'm that fine with fucking, what we got. That would have been sweet. If all of a sudden, just yeah, just yeah. See, start squirting out. That'd be sick. You get to see the old mustache, unmustached, you know, yeah. dying horribly. Right. Teach Was it justified? Ooh, I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, in a childlike mind, yes. 
I guess, yeah. Legally? Sure. No. <laughs> Legally, no. <laughs> Even though he hit you? Like I said. Okay, yeah. I hear you, man. Yeah. <laughs> the hit was unjustified. I mean, that's just... Right. To be honest, simple. though, he probably didn't think it would work. He's probably just taking out his aggression. Oh, no. He seemed pretty convinced. He was pretty maniacal <laughs> sure. at that point. Yeah, he was. I wonder bit. why he, he knew so much about the comic. You know, he, he names off the different segments... You right. know, the stories that are told as though he's went through it and he reports back to the wife that this is garbage and yeah all right well got anything else we want to add on here before we go into our wrap up and ratings yeah i haven't asked yet if you guys cut the uh, ashtray in all the scenes or in each ah, segment not okay all the scenes. So you're referring to the ashtray that Aunt Bedelia used yes, on to kill Nathan Grantham. Nathan. It's like a black marble looking ashtray. With the some... only segment that I knew, and I was like, right there it is, was something that tied you over, and it was at uh, Leslie Nielsen's bedside. Yeah. Okay. But I know it's in all the segments, just because that's what I've been told, but I don't know where. Right on. Right on. It's used as a soup dish in the uh, the bugs segment. Oh, okay. All right, man, that would have stood out because everything else is white. Yeah. How did I not see that? What about in Jordy Verrill? What was there? Where was it at? It was on the uh, Meteor office. Department of Meteors. The Department, Department of Meteors. Meteors yeah. Desk. Yeah. Okay. And I think in um, the crate. It was in the study. That makes sense. When they're playing chess. Yep. That makes sense. I'm pretty sure it was in that. Yeah, that's cool. Again, I like that. I like that little nugget type stuff. Yeah, Yeah. it's cool. Yeah, good catch. It's a cool shot together. Yep. Well, since this was a Hitchhiker's Choice movie, and we got some input from our selector of said movie from last episode, we're going to get some input from the selector of this movie, and that was Justin Ramsey. And he actually came up with two really damn good questions, in my opinion. And the first one is, if you each got to pick three to five segments from any horror anthology to make one epic anthology, what segments would they be? Oh, man, I don't know. Oh, my God. This is a great question. That's a fucking tough one, actually. Because there's so many. (laughs) I I actually have okay, five. Let's hear I have five with an honorable mention because you know it wouldn't be a list sure. for me if it didn't have a little more than what's required. He said three to five. You give him six. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> First off, something to tide you over from this movie is in this. Okay. Okay. The raft from Creepshow Two from '87. Okay. Blind Alleys, a segment from Tales from the Crypt from 72. Okay. That was the one where it's uh, the group home for elderly men who are blind, and the guy that's running the place is a total dick. Right. And mistreats them, and he they uh, they get their payback on them. I always like that for whatever reason. Creepy. Uh, another one I really like, uh, the Black Cat from Tales of Terror. From '62, that one's actually pretty funny, but I love I love the performances of Vincent Price and Peter Laurie in that one. Uh, the gas station segment from John Carpenter's Body Bags 
and 93. Okay. I've, I don't know what it is. I've always really liked that segment, even though I knew it was, that's Lewis Skoldnick, you know, right. like being like Robert a serial Perry. killer. But like, mm. I don't know. I mean, there was, he, he did well with it. It wasn't anything great, but I don't know the, the setting of it, just how everything was, you know, portrayed the cameos you get in there. It's you, nice to see him in something different than right. nerds. But, I mean, you get some great cameos. Wes Craven's in it. George Flower. Uh, uh, Peter Jason. David Naughton. Yeah. You know, it's I, I really like that segment. And my honorable mention is the Halloween School Bus Massacre from Trick or Treat from 07. Well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's on everybody's list. <laughs> Did it make your list? Yeah, absolutely. All right, on. Okay. Nice. Yeah, we don't have to read it. Hash that. What do you got with your list, then? Um, I like the uh, segment from VHS. I think it was two. Safe Haven with the uh, yeah, it's from VHS two. It was the one about the cult that uh, they all end up, you know, at the bell, okay. standing up and offing themselves. Yes. And then okay. there's a demon and a pregnancy and like all hell's breaking loose and people were uh, execution style. Shooting herself in the head. And I remember that. Yeah, that was brutal. Yeah. Okay. It's it's disturbing and yeah, uncomfortable. Okay. AF. <laughs> so that's definitely in my dream list, I guess. Okay. And you said the trick or treat school bus segment. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's good. The dummy from 1982 it was a night flight segment on USA during their late night movie blocks. They'd put in these shorts. Hmm. And it was called The Dummy, and it had Charlie McCarthy doing, like... Is that ventriloquism? Yeah, yeah. He's got, you know, this creepy-ass smile. and uh, There's not any dialogue hardly at all in it. It's just this, you know, weird pacing. Uh, It's kind of got little, what do you call them, stingers? Yeah. You know, when the doll appears in places, and then you got them... Looking under a door. And then it cuts away, and then all of a sudden he's moved or some shit. Yeah. Right. Okay. It's, it's just a weird little short, and I would... Yeah, it'd have to be an huh. anthology. Interesting. Selection for me. I would never have thought that, Dave, to be okay. honest. Well, okay. It's right on, on YouTube. Look it up. The, dum- okay. the Dummy from 82. I've never heard of that. All right, cool. Cat from Hell and Tales of the Dark Side. Okay. It's got old... Uh, What's his name from Christmas Vacation? He was uh, Andre Toulon in the original Puppet Master. Oh, jeez. Oh, Nobody William remembers Hickey. that. William Hickey. Yeah, yes, William there Hickey. it is. Nice. Good call. All right. Lewis. Uncle Lewis. Uncle Lewis. Yeah. The blessing! <laughs> Christ, Bethany, did you break wind? <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I love that guy. That's all I got. I'm not gonna make a five pack or anything. Well, you got Word. there, Lord. I, I guys, I I really don't. I I don't have a list right now. I'm sorry. I do. Not, I cannot answer this. Okay. I do not. Well, because I mean, it's just it's that's tough. It is. I uh. That's really hard. Yeah. I I just found out about this question actually. So yeah. Well, that's all right. I mean, <sighs> off the hip though, what would you replace in this with? Oh, absolutely. The books. Yep. I, I, yeah. Okay. 
they're creeping up yeah, on you. Yeah, they're creeping on you. Yeah, that was yeah. actually Justin's second question. If you had to replace any segment from this movie with any other anthology segment, what would you choose? Uh, probably the flight from Twilight Zone. That's a good one. Because uh, it's creature-based as well. A good one. I hear you. You know? It's a good one. Lithgow. Nice. Which is better, Lithgow or uh, William Shatner? Lithgow. I like Lithgow. <laughs> I agree. 100% agree. I mean, I, without that storyline, though, you know, what yeah. Shatner did, we obviously wouldn't have got this. Yeah. But So yeah. I, I, I appreciate, yeah. you know, what it was. And at the time, you know, minus what the creature was, you know, I don't figure that would have been... That was... I'm sure it was scary for some, but it wasn't too... It was scary. weird. Right. Yeah. But wait, there's more. What about the uh, what, 2018 CBS Twilight Zone? I didn't watch it. I didn't watch really the 90s. Their, their, opening, their opening one was that, but it was with the modern twist of this guy hearing oh. like, an audio book that's telling him what's going to happen next, and like tragic things start happening on his airplane, and he's trying to convince everybody, and they're not believe in him and tell him sir please calm down stay in your seat and shit and oh i didn't know that it's a modern hmm. twist on that yeah okay it's not bad but uh i wouldn't out. compare it with the other two hmm. it's different enough for me it's really hard for me to really replace a segment from this movie because i like all these segments and if you took one of these segments away it's not creep show for me anymore. I hear you. I get it. So, I, I that's really, a weird question. I mean, I it's it's again it's never... another good question, and I didn't consider honestly either one of these before this, but right. especially this first one. If you could just make your own Frankenstein, you know, horror anthology, that's <laughs> that's a great question. But yeah, for me to remove anything, I, I don't think I, I don't think there would be anything I'd remove from this. Right on. Maybe that's a cop out, but. Week, maybe add. I don't know. Transfer oh. one of the stories from Creepshow two, over. Creepshow one. It's a different vibe. I, mean, I get you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen. My my theory is you take the ledge from Cat's Eye and put it in place of uh, something to tide you over in this because it's basically the same story, and I think the thrill level is way better on the ledge segment from Cat's Eye. See, it's been so long since I've seen Cat's Eye, but I really... It's just Robert Hayes playing the same, you know, in the Lover's Triangle, and the rich guy's got him at gunpoint out on the ledge of a skyscraper, right. and he keeps fucking... going around and around the building trying to... Right, you know, I remember it. I just, I don't know, I really like... I really like something that tied you over here in this, though. Hmm. It, yeah, it's to, interesting get, to get Leslie Nielsen like as a bad no. guy is, you know, yeah. very beneficial, you know. Right. And you get a young Ted Danson before right. you know he made it big, and I don't know. I, I just find it interesting. I, th I think the the dialogue between those two in that segment's really good. So mm. this is going to be interesting. So all right, this kind of goes right into it. We need to rank these segments, right? So okay, are we including the wraparound, the voodoo doll oh, in this or not? Uh, let's not. Okay, that's fine. All right, let's not. It's so, not from the comic book, I guess. Okay. All right, well, Lord, what's uh, what's your number five? What's your least favorite segment? They're creeping up on you. Okay. Just doesn't do it for me. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Bugs don't scare me, I guess. I guess big-ass spiders would, but I mean, but not really. I just stay away from them. Right. I'm, mm -hmm. Coming in at number four is going to be Jordy. 
Oh, man. Oh. Tell me the story, Jory. Really? Yeah, dude, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's Real. fun. It's cool. You know, I dig it. The rest of these, it, it really doesn't matter what kind of order. I mean, well, hold on. Besides the first one that I really like, um, my number one is number one. Everything else is kind of a jumbled mess, you know. So I would say Jordy would be number four for me. Wow. Okay. I'm Three is something to tide you over. Okay. Two is Father's Day. And the crate is number one. Wow. Okay. Crate's number one for sure, absolute. Okay. okay. Nice. What about you, King? What's your number five? Well, I'm going with uh, something to tide you over. Wow. See okay. that coming? I just think this one's too drawn out. They just, I don't know, I lose interest in it. It's the best I got on it. Okay. And it was adapted from that short, uh, the Stephen right. King short, The Ledge. Oh, okay. But I just enjoy the whole... I like that story better. I just enjoy the whole aspect of it, just him toying with them. It's it's a fucking cool way to toy with somebody. I sure. too. It's unique. I agree. I mean, all these segments are good. I just, you know, you got to pick a least favorite. There's right. Where I'm at on yeah. Sure. They're kind of close to each other, though. My next one is uh, the bugs. <laughs> they're creeping up on you. Okay. Yep. I just call it the bugs. <laughs> the bugs. <laughs> they got all these silly titles. The crate's gonna come in at number three for me. Wow, yeah. that's amazing! Holy shit! I don't, I don't love it. I mean, I like it a lot. Okay, it's not it's top two for me. Cool, man. I understand. And it's Father's Day for my number two, and number one for me is Jordy. Wow. I love Jordy Barrel. Okay. I hear you. Okay. All right. That's my reason for watching this. Nice. And my kids enjoy it. It's a fun segment. To it get is. Everybody it is involved in. It is. It's goofy. Yeah. He's. I mean, when I when I watch Jordy, man, he he's just so dumb. I mean, he takes a super hot thing and you just pours cold ass water on it of course it's gonna crack right. you know i mean come on man think you lunkhead <laughs> i always think of joe dirt when i see this segment it, <laughs> it reminds me of that. dude they probably totally that's why they did that could be <laughs> i didn't even think about that that's funny all right so in order for me my number five even though i still like it and i think i'm i kind of like it maybe better than what you guys do We'll see. Uh, they're creeping up on you. That's my number five. Hmm. Number four is going to be Father's Day. Man. That's okay. Right on. We got some different views yeah. on this one, boys. And I'm with the king with the crate. I'm right in the middle. I'm number three on it because you talk about something that tied you over kind of dragging on. I felt yeah. like this one kind of drug on a little bit. It does a little The crate? Bit. Yeah. Just a Getting little bit. Getting her to the lab, yeah. It I, I, I feel like it but was But he's a doing little... the cleanup and everything. Right, and, and I know and it's the necessary. Whole, the, letter, the letter. It's panning back and forth, and you're just like, all right, come on, get there already. Yeah. I, I feel I like maybe that one's a little drawn out. Jordy Verrill comes in at two for me, because okay. I do really appreciate that goofy-ass performance. That's just a fantasy. It is. Know, and it's it's thing. it's perfectly it, the way it's done. It's perfect, you yeah. know. And like I said, and the way it ends, I mean, it's dark, it's grim. I mean, he blows a fucking head yeah. off with a shotgun. Awful, 
you know? And then, obviously, that leaves something to tide you over with my number one spot. I love Leslie Nielsen in this, and I'll, like, he's arguably my favorite character in this movie. (laughs) Wow. Holy shit. Yeah. I really like this, this character a lot. Okay. And just the creativity, the setup, just the maniacal nature that he has. He's so calm, like I said, so suave, so just, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I really like this segment. He's so typecast as slapstick for me that I just can't I know, break that pulled, barrier down. But he fucking yeah, nails he did a good it here, job, man. He but fucking still, nails it here. I have a barrier there. It's and then when he, and at the end when he starts to fall apart, he kind of goes a little slapsticky, but it works. Yeah. It's perfect. I don't know. I I really like something that tied you over a lot. Yeah. Good stuff. We were all over the His place. His maniacal laugh at the end when it you know it's doing the cool background. Uh, yeah, it it's it is goofy as shit. So yeah, <laughs> that's cool. We'll have to actually post these our uh, our listings yeah. and where we got these ranked because we're all over the place on this. Yeah, one. that's cool though. That's good. I'm surprised actually. I, I really am. It, that that kind of blows me away. Thought we'd be a lot closer. But we all like this movie almost equally, probably. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm wanting to know. I want to know what everybody's overall. Well, then, by goddamn, let's, let's do some ratings right here. Yeah, let's do all it. All right, I'll bust it out first. Go. Go for it. All right. I mean, this is a top five anthology for me. I mean, obviously, sure. it's fucking creep show. Um, it's the standard. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm gonna keep it short and sweet, guys. We've we've talked about it all night. It's coming in at eight point five for me. There you go. I, I legit. I mean, it's I, every time I watch it, it, it is a movie I can sit down with my wife. Even mm-hmm. my wife loves this movie. She That's absolutely good. loves it. She likes Creepshow too as well, which is extremely rare, you know, because she doesn't really like horror movies. So yeah, and it's you know, but she digs the anthologies. Nice and. Anytime I can sit down with a movie and watch my with my wife, it, it's, it's going to get a, it's going to get half star bump, you know. But anyway, it's an eight point five straight up. You know? Oh yeah, awesome. That's awesome. Short and sweet and to yeah. the point. Now you're right. We have talked about it enough. I'm going to ratings town myself. I'm at a nine on this. You're at a nine. Okay. Wow. Do I need to say why? I, We're blowing we IMDb scores out of the water. No. And it's funny. It's I a actually. Great movie. I, I, I kept my wrap-up kind of short, too, um, but it's still going to be longer than your guys'. Oh, yeah. Well, duh. <laughs> we know that. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, We're phoning it in this week. <laughs> I mean, catch him, declared it. <laughs> Sorry, Justin. I absolutely love anthologies, especially horror, for the fact that you don't get any padded runtime. You get tossed right into the mix straight away. I'm honestly surprised there aren't more mainstream anthologies being made today, given, you know, everyone's short attention spans. But we've already talked about the names, Atkins, Nielsen, Danson, Holbrook, Barbo, etc. Just an overall amazing cast from top to bottom. Every segment, you get at least one familiar face. It's great. It makes it so much more engaging and interesting. And unlike most anthology movies, for me at least... Regardless of however many segments there are, there's always that one that just doesn't quite... It's not up to snuff. It's not up to par. Sure. And uh, for here, there's there's not a dud in a bunch. I mean, they're just simple, well-thought-out, albeit morbid, moral-based tales with a twist at the end, 
from two of the best in George A. Romero and Stephen King. I'll be honest with you, I really toiled over what segment was going to be number one because I really enjoy The Lonesome Death of Jordy Vero a lot, but I don't know, there's just something really captivating about Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson, their interaction. I I genuinely appreciated it. If Stephen King had portrayed Jordy Vero more serious note, a serious tone, would you have liked it a little bit more? I don't think so. Okay. All right. I'm just wondering if, if the comedy the aspect would have been the taken charm, out. That's it's his performance. That, okay. That is that segment, okay. in my opinion. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if for me, if, it was, if they took that story and made it more serious, I don't think it would have worked. And okay. honestly, you mm-hmm. could have made. I think I could have made an argument for that being the, the least. Uh, okay. My best favorite. Right on. All right. But I understand. This was my first horror anthology that I ever seen. It is my favorite horror anthology all time. There's so much nostalgia tied with this one. Um, if you've somehow not seen this one, you need to get on that ASAP. This is an iconic classic. Uh, it holds up today. The blend of horror and humor works magically. And uh, for me, it gets revisited at least once a year. Right yeah, with you, King. Yeah. Nine out of ten. Hell yeah. This gets the stamp. NHP approved. Yeah. And my ratings for both of the Hitchhiker's choices were nines out of tens. <laughs> so. I prefer seven a little bit more than, than Crucial. Yeah, I, I do. Seven I do. Uh, 9.5, so. You did. Yeah. yeah. I'm at a nine on both. I don't know. It's like they're so different movies. But right, I love right, them yeah, for, sure. you know, completely different reasons. But, yeah, these were two really great movies to pick out. That you I know, watch Creep Show probably two or three times a year. It's a good one. It's it's, it's a lot great. of fun. I mean, like I said, for me, there's not really a dud in the bunch. You yeah, know, mm-hmm. like you said, King, you, you, you like them all, but you, you got yeah. you gotta pick one that's the least. And, you know, yeah. I mean, any anything you guys said that was bad about any of the segments that you guys thought, I totally see it. I get it, but for whatever reason, for me, I don't. It doesn't play out that way. That's cool. I like I like that our rankings on the segments were yeah pretty uh, spread out and pretty diverse. But our rating was relatively close. Right. <laughs> That's what I was curious about. So we love it for completely different reasons. That's right. Stamp it. All right, make sure to check out our friends Justin Ramsey and Aaron Scaletta over at the Raisin Horror, the Psycho Siblings podcast, where they review all things horror all the time. I loved hearing the breakdown of Joe Dante's Piranha on episode two that came out actually a few days ago on the 23rd. Yeah, listeners, you got to check them out if you haven't already. There's some brand new stuff out there for your ear holes, and uh, their next show, which is uh, episode three, they will be reviewing one of the better recent horror remakes, in my personal opinion, the Hills Have Eyes from 2006. Oh, really? They're doing that? Yeah. Hmm. Oh, shit. That'd be cool. That is a really good remake. Yeah, um, I liked I, it. I, I'm a big fan of the original. I am too. But, damn. It's it's one of those I think you could possibly make an gruesome. argument for mm. it might be better than the original or it's just as good. It's gruesome. Yeah. Yeah, so that's going to be pretty cool. It's pretty exciting. But you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Raised in Horror. So that will be The Hills Have Eyes from 2006 coming to you Thursday, August 6th from the Psycho Siblings Raising yeah. Horror Podcast. 
Find them now on your favorite podcasting app, Horror Movie Fans. Alright, Hitchhikers, this concludes our review of Creepshow from 1982. We hope you all enjoyed our breakdown of this classic 80s horror anthology from George Romero and Stephen King. Be on the lookout for new announcements and updates on our Facebook page, Nostalgia Highway Podcast, and make sure you visit the King Art Facebook page where you can find all kinds of amazing artwork from the King himself. Hell yeah. And you can also check out uh, our letterbox profiles, at least the King's in mine. The King's is Patriarch1979, and mine is Matlog16. You can email the show at nostalgiahighwaypodcast at gmail.com. And find us on Twitter at HighwayNHP. We'd love to hear from you, some hit-us-up hitchhikers. And once again, the three of us want to give recognition and thanks to Sean Jackson and Cody Jones for the theme music they've allowed us to use for the show. Thanks, guys. Join us next time, where I think after about a year, we finally decided we're going to go camping again. Yeah, might as well. Give it another shot. I bought a new cot. I'm going to test it out, so yeah. Maybe a little more uh, personal protection type stuff this time. Yeah, I'm going to bring a hatchet this time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe a firearm Ooh, to protect yeah. ourselves. Yeah, that was a little dicey last time, yeah. but I, I don't know. I think we've got some pretty decent locations here, and uh, I think we'll be pretty safe. So what do we do? Well, I don't know. What do you I guys mean, think? To be honest, guys, I mean, I this creep show, I mean, I, I enjoy doing an anthology, this style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of want to keep the train rolling. You guys yeah. want to do some anthologies next yeah. month? Hmm. Some campfire anthology tales? Absolutely. Alright. That sounds good. Alright. say we fucking do it. Alright. Well, there we go. Alright, Hitchhikers. So, for August, campfire tales, anthologies. Alright. Dun, dun, dun. Now we just got to figure out what the hell we're going to do. Yeah, yeah. We'll figure that out here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll figure Cross that out here. When we get to it. Alright. All Alright guys, on behalf of the Lord Ketchum and Dave, King of the Road, I am your host, the Mayor Matt Logson, and we thank you once again for hitching a ride along with us, and we'll pick you up next time, out on the highway. The more you know. (laughs) You need to get on that. No. Didgeridoo, brought to you by the Lord. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by the Lord's Didgeridoo service. Have you seen the Lord's Didgeridoo? <laughs> I guess it's at the end of my point. I'm Didgeridoo. Whatever it's called. Oh, What's man. it called again, Dave? What's it called? I don't have a name. The Benedict or something? The, the, the Blontiff? What? <laughs> what? The, what's the end of your pecker? What's the Bellend. The Bellend. That's it. The Bellend. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's a be- this guy's a real Bellend. Yeah. We. Sorry. Yeah. Are we in cut mode? I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> mostly. We're mostly in cut mode yeah. now. <laughs> sorry. 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 All right. We're involved in a cut mode at this point. For sure. God damn it. <laughs>